The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, back with another edition of Winning Ponies, and this should be a good one. We're going to take a look back at the Breeders' Cup. And uh, we had some great storylines in here, and they developed throughout the day. Uh, you had the, the rags to riches story of, of Groupie Doll, and then how about uh, 27-year-old B.J. Hernandez celebrating his birthday with a win in the $5 million classic. Uh, and who would have thought that Trinenberg, the sprinter in this year's Kentucky Derby, would be the one that would come out of the Derby and actually uh, win a Breeders' Cup race? Then we had the return of Kentucky Derby winner Animal Kingdom, and what a race he put in. We had the return of Royal Delta, who did not disappoint and came back for her second consecutive victory in the Ladies' Classic. And you got to love the Little Mike, a horse by a $3,500 stallion. He... uh he won the Arlington Million earlier and proved that it was no fluke. So we're going to be uh, reviewing uh, the, the storylines and taking a look at the the, the results, uh, good and bad. I hope you had a great day. Uh, I was doing really well. Uh, Ms. Direction helped me, although I wish uh, Mr. Roan didn't tout the horse so much. It was 20 to 1 in the morning line and ended up only going off at 6 to 1. Would have been nice to get those odds on top. But anyhow, Ms. Direction, who'd never been beaten down the hill at Santa Anita, uh, even though coming off a layoff, um, made a nice ticket for me. And I'll admit to you all right now, I decided not to get crazy with the exotics in the last. I was up on the day, and I just thought, game on, dude. Had never been defeated at Santa Anita, was 5-for-5, looked like a favorable jock switch off his last race, and I went all in on the dude, and the race was pretty much over when the gates opened. As uh, you saw, he did not uh, break all that well, but uh, Fort Larner did, and we are going to have as our first guest today Brian Hernandez to talk about uh, the greatest win ever in his career. Uh, you may recall earlier in the year he was on uh, Winning Ponies. Uh, after he won the Whitney, he had never been at Saratoga before. It was his first grade one victory, and it was impressive. And Obviously, we found out it certainly was no fluke. Trey and Ian Wilkes just training Fort Larned right up to the Breeders' Cup. Of course, until last Saturday, he had never been at Santa Anita. 
<laughs> and uh, so first-time visitor to a track, uh, Brian Hernandez, uh, doing uh, very well on his first visit. So we'll, we'll be talking to, to him about the races, too. And then um, at the bottom of the hour, uh, no stranger to winning ponies, will be Tom Lamara, the news editor of the Blood Horse, who was with us or was with everyone out at Santa Anita. So he's going to give us the uh, insider scoop at how the day went. And then Tom and I are going to break down a few races across the country. Hopefully you can take some of that money you won at the Breeders' Cup and, and, and parlay it into some winners uh, that uh, Tom and I can give you. Just a quick recap of the Breeders' Cup as far as uh, the business-wise, uh, the total handle uh, on the six Friday races and the nine Saturday races was down uh, a little bit from last year. Well, I don't know if we want to call it a little bit. It was 9.5%. Um, now, you've got to remember, because of Hurricane Sandy, certainly a lot of players in New York had a lot bigger things on their mind than getting out to one of the tracks or an OTB parlor. And certainly uh, some of those people were friends of mine, and uh, my heart goes out to them. Hopefully they're getting back on their feet. Snowstorm they got yesterday didn't help. Uh, so the power outages on the East Coast might have had a lot to do that with that. Uh, but, again, down a little bit. Of course, a lot of the question marks were about the Lasix ban, only on juveniles this year, even though they do want to uh, see if it'll get past the powers to be to have every horse off Lasix next year, three horses, uh, two by trainer John Sadler, uh, Capo, Bastone, and Monument, uh, who were third and last in the juvenile. Uh, they both bled, and uh, trainer Mark Cassie said that Spring in the Air, who finished fifth, in the juvenile fillies also bled. So uh be interesting. I'm sure the debate will go on. None of Todd Pletcher's horses did. He said, I don't care. I'm still pro-Lasix. All right, quick look back at Santa Anita. Uh, things got off <laughs> with an exciting race in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Sprint. A uh, little bit of bumping and, and shoving down through the lane, but 77-year-old D. Wayne Lucas, the king of the Breeders' Cup, comes across with the win. Uh, he uh, now has the all-time Breeders' Cup record at 19, and he may be safe for a long time to come because behind him is Suge McGahee, a distant second with eight. It was Hightail beating the heavily favored Merit Man in the juvenile sprint and uh hightail looks like he's going to have another start before the year's out uh then, then we went uh from short to long we went to the breeders cup marathon and uh how about this horse Caladioscopo, an argentina bred put in a big late surge after getting left and veteran rider aaron grider was aboard he said he had instructions to just let that horse lope out of there, and then come flying at the end. And that's exactly what they did at 17-1. to 1. Uh, Kenny McPeak's Antigone was third, and that horse was the favorite. In the middle of those two was Grassy. Kind of interesting that uh, this horse, a nine-year-old full horse, Caladoscopio, the Argentinian bred, uh, was recording his... Tenth victory. Nine years old, it was his tenth victory, but it came in a half a million dollar race. 
very, very interesting. Uh, we'll see what happens with his career. I wonder if they're going to keep him in training till he's 10. So then we moved on to the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf, and another upset in there, it was Flotilla getting the job done in from France. Flotilla besting Whatcha Dances, an Irish bred over Summer of Fun. The favorite was Sky Lantern, who uh, got in a little bit of trouble. This was a bulky field. 14 horses uh, had trouble at two points of call, but nonetheless ended up finished far back in ace. So Flotilla took the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf. From there, well, it was time to go to the $2 million Juvenile Phillies. And, again, a bit of an upset. Everybody thought uh, that executive privilege, who came into this race five for five, this was going to be one of the big horses coming out of the Baffert barn. Everybody was saying that he had a home court advantage. A lot of the East and Midwest horses don't fare well at Santa Anita. That certainly did not hold up. And uh, trainer Richard Mandela, who knows how to win a Breeders' Cup race, got the job done, and he feels that uh, the win was impressive enough that – he ought to be crowned the Eclipse Philly. Uh, you got to remember, 24 of the last 28 winners of this race went on to win the Eclipse Award as champion Philly. Quite frankly, I got a feeling when the voters go to the polls, executive privilege is going to get the nod. Then in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare turf, it was Zagora at nine to one over Marketing Mix and the favorite, the Fugue, which was a big. Kind of surprised that this horse got bet down. I know uh, Ed Meyer, this was his best bet of the day, and uh, the, the, the fugue uh, was blocked, and then after being blocked, was steadied. Looked to be perhaps the best horse in the race because only a length and a half separated the top three, but nonetheless, uh, the fugue, William Buick, not a great drive that day. I will say that Zagora, in winning this race, uh, upped her ante because uh, – she was uh, just three days later sold at Fazig Tipton for $2.5 million. Let's get through the, the first day with, with an exclamation point, and that is Royal Delta. Uh, she was just absolutely awesome. Bill Mott had her dead on ready for this race. Uh, actually ended up getting the lead. Everybody thought Questing would end up uh, getting the lead, but Questing didn't. And we found out after the race that Questing did have a uh, an injury uh, to her eye. But nonetheless, Royal Delta takes it for the second year in a row and makes Mike Smith the winningest Breeders' Cup jockey ever. And good news is that word on the track is that Royal Delta is going to be, as she was last year, prepared for another season of racing and is going to try to take the Dubai World Cup. All right, now we move on to Saturday, and the weather was absolutely beautiful out there at Santa Anita. And we started out with the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf at 9-1, to one, bit of an upset, as we said, on the turf. The Euros usually have a little bit of an edge, and it was George Vancouver getting the job done for who else? Aiden O'Brien, as I recall, didn't he win this race last year with Rote? The slight favorite was Noble Toon, who was a son of champion Serena's 
cat, who I mean, a granddaughter of Serena's song, out of Serena's cat, uh, out of the Chad Brown barn. In the third spot was Balance the Books. From there, we go to what some are calling a rags to riches story. I just call it a feel good story, and that is the Bradleys, Buff Bradley and his dad, with their homebred groupie doll. We touched on it a little bit last week. These folks just have uh, like maybe 10 mares. Uh, they've got a small farm outside uh, Frankfort, uh, Kentucky. And uh, they, of course, several years ago came up with multimillionaire Brass Hat. Who would have thought that they'd come up with another horse uh, that's uh, rivaling him? And Groupie Doll got the job done. Rajiv Marat rode Groupie Doll every step of the way out of the gate, and Groupie Doll did not disappoint and ended up winning by four and a half lengths, adds an odds-on favorite over Dustin Diamonds and Switch. Uh, great quote after the race. <laughs> Buff Bradley's dad, uh, Fred, said, I bred the horse and the trainer. That's right. I bred both of them. So uh, we'll find out uh, that... Uh, Groupie Doll, plans are right now that she will return as a five-year-old. I think that's a great sporting gesture, and I can't wait to see her come back next year. Uh, in the sixth race, we, we had another upset. MC was the favorite, ended up finishing sixth, and Tapazar got the job done with Corey Nakatani in the saddle. Second was Rail Trip, and third was Delegation. And where was Shackelford? Well, Shackelford came unglued in the paddock, did not look good. Uh, he bobbled at the start. I think he just got to throw it out. It's too ba- bad that that's the way his uh, career ended. Again, spoke earlier about one of my better hits of the day, a misdirection. Mike Smith even adding a, another win to his Breeders' Cup record, uh, misdirection. Very impressive, coming down from 11th, gets up by a half a length over Unbridled's Note, and Renee's got zip. Of course, uh, we spoke earlier, this horse is uh, owned in partnership by Sports Talk host Jim Rome, and uh, that's always good for racing when you got a national guy on the radio talking about the horses that he owns. Well, Shanghai Bobby proved that he is what he is. Shanghai Bobby with Rosie Napravnik, and I believe that makes her only the second woman outside of Julie Crone to win a Breeders' Cup race, uh, took the lead, looked beaten in the stretch, fought back, kind of started goofing off. It was one of those horses that maybe she made the move a little bit too early. Uh, Rosie commented after the race that uh, she's probably going to take this horse back as if she gets to ride it as an older horse to teach him how to run at horses. He's had enough, though, is going to be right there, and that is going to be another, I'll have another, potentially, out of the same connections. And third, again, was Capo Bastone, a horse that reportedly bled after the race. Then we go to another one, rooting for the little guy, Little Mike, by a $3,500 stallion. Gets the job done. The horse stands in Indiana, we called him, and uh, they said that um, he uh, is starting to get calls, and I don't see why perfectly rated by Ramon Dominguez. Little Mike gets the $3 million Breeders' Cup turf over point of entry and St. Nicholas Abbey. 
closing in. We've got just a few to go here. Uh, Trinenberg, fastest horse in the country. Can't go a mile and a quarter, but sure can go six furlongs. Chili Willie Martinez gets the job done. Beautiful ride. Holds on by three quarters of a length over the lumber guy and smiling tiger. Then it was on the way to the Breeders' Cup mile and maybe crowning a horse of the year in here. Wise Dan held on for the win. Now, Animal Kingdom was in all kinds of trouble and put in a huge late run. And the good news is, the word is, Grand Motion says that Animal Kingdom will remain in training next season. So really looking forward to that. And, of course, uh, Wise Dan has no place to go. He's a gelding, so we're going to see him back in training too. And also back in training, the winner of the Breeders' Cup Classic, Fort Larned. What an exciting race and what an exciting story that we've got coming up. Uh, Brian Hernandez put in a picture-perfect ride and got the job done. Game on dude came out flat, but that didn't stop mucho, mucho man from making this one heck of a horse race. But the $5 million Breeders' Cup Classic goes to Fort Larned. Trainer Ian Wilkes, a great job uh, for the breeder Janice Witham. Of course, this horse's grandmother, Bayakoa, won not one but two Breeders' Cup races, so it certainly has a, a family affair. So that was a look at the big one. We're going to hear a lot more about the Breeders' Cup Classic because we're going to be able to take a ride on that race with the young man who is celebrating his 27th birthday while winning the Breeders' Cup Classic, and that will be Brian Hernandez. So stay tuned. Coming up next on Winning Ponies, we've got B.J. Hernandez to tell us about the Breeders' Cup Classic. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. He's still out. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right. Well, this is going to be an exciting uh, portion of the show. As I said at the top of the show, I was ahead on the day, and I really didn't think, like so many other people, a game-on dude could be beaten. I went all in, and boy, wasn't that my, my mistake. But, man, all of a sudden, when I saw what was developing, it was like, you know what? This is worth every cent I'm losing if this kid can win this race. And I want to read to you, Steve Haskin from the Blood Horse has been writing some great stories. And uh, this will only take a second, but he really sets the stage with this. And and here's what he said in Hanging with Haskin. He says, whether you call it karma or any other name, there comes a time and a place in everyone's life when positive forces meet once and create moments to cherish for all time. For four-year-old thoroughbred named Fort Larned, his trainer Ian Wilkes, Owner breeder Janice Witham and jockey Brian Hernandez Jr., these positive forces came together on racing's greatest day and in its richest race, the $5 million Breeders' Cup Classic. It was here in front of over $50,000 fans that Fort Larner dug down deep to hold off Mucho Macho Man in one of the great stretch battles in Breeders' Cup history. Brian Hernandez, how does it feel to be a part of that? It's a uh, it's a great feeling. It's it's sinking in now, and it's 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 great. I mean, Fort Lawrence, he he changed our lives, and he, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Well, I just uh, want to let our listeners know, you know, you, sometimes when you talk to winning ponies, things start going your way. Now, when we, you know, uh, first uh, t- talked to you back there with Fort Lawrence after your nice win in the Whitney, you have uh, a couple things in your life uh, you've really gotten into a zone. Number one. You got married, and you better remember that that was supposed to be number one, okay? And uh, but then you just got into some amazing zone uh, towards the end of the Keeneland meet. You go up, you win the Indiana Derby, you win the Indiana Oaks, and about 24 hours before the Classic, you win the Grade Three Ack Ack with neck and neck down at Churchill Downs. I mean, uh, what does it feel like to just be this energized at this point in your life? It's a it's a it's a great feeling. I mean, it's it's great to look up, and we're riding some really good horses right now for some good people, and we're just very fortunate and grateful for the opportunity that they've given us, and we just got to keep riding the wave while we can. Well, it hasn't stopped. And for people that haven't done the, the, their their history back, and don't forget, you can you can always go back uh, to when we uh, spoke uh, w- with Brian earlier in the year because all these shows are on podcast. It was uh, about the second week in, in August. He'll tell you more about his past. But as you said, ride the wave while you can. I'm watching on the Daily Racing Forum site today, and I'm looking at the tweets over there. And... Uh, Brian, who won the 2004 Eclipse Award as the champion apprentice, I'm looking over there and it says, Brian J. Hernandez will be at Rotama Park Saturday night to ride in two stakes races. So you really are riding the wave. Yeah, yeah, we're going we're going to Rotama Saturday night to ride a, a, a two-year-old filly from Mike Stidham that she looks like she she's pretty nice. She was third behind, I think it was spring at last, but wouldn't mind last time. 
Yes. And we're going to go into retirement and ride her on Saturday night. Well, uh, I, I want to go. I want to go back. I want to, uh, you know, kind of talk about you lead, leading up to the race. And I mean, you were just—I'm telling you, Brian—so cool, calm, and collected uh, before, during, and after the race. Let's start with before. Um, first of all, I heard you say in the interview that you felt a little bit bad, better because of, of the the way he really didn't take to the Belmont Strip and the Jockey Club race that kind of the, the bullseye was off your back. So maybe you were a little more relaxed. But who wasn't relaxed was Fort Larned in the post parade, and you kind of just kicked away from the pony. Take us on a ride with you. Yeah, you know, he um, there, when he was, I always take him and warm him up by himself because it kind of gets him Gets him in his own zone, and uh, in the post parade at Santa Anita the other day, he was just so fired up and ready, ready to do something. Even when Ian was going to saddle, and he, he made the comment, he said he was a handful to saddle today. I think we're in for a real treat. And he just he, he tilted his hand a little when we were in the post parade, and just showing how fired up he was. And our biggest thing on Saturday was to make sure he left there good. And once he once he left there the way he did, I, I thought we were in for a real treat. Well, you know, I've, I've watched the replay, and I, you, you know, you in the white cap, and uh, you look like you were just a statue, like you were stone cold, just sitting there, totally relaxed, totally into the moment. Describe it to us, will you? Yeah, he uh, he he's the type of horse that he left there really good Saturday, so we were able to when we were able to outbreak game on the dude, I was able to kind of take a step out and just kind of and force him to kind of take his spot just so we wouldn't get caught in a speed duel. And uh, I just wanted to stay out of the horse's way. He's a fast, he's a good horse. He, he knows what he's doing. He's a, he's a champion. So the biggest thing with him is just to stay out of his way. And that's all I did was I, I was just out of his way the whole way. And we got to five eighths bowl and he, he quickened, but at the same time as him quickening, quickening, he gave himself a breather because he threw his ears up and, I think that's where he won the race for himself was when he was able to kind of separate himself from the rest of them. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was watching that on the replay, you know, and it didn't look like you were really asking him too much. It's like he did it on his own, and all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. Mucho Macho Man, who was kind of sitting on your withers the whole way, all of a sudden, you you, you put like about a a two-and-a-half-link gap between the two of you. Yeah, and and that's where he made his winning move was when he was able to do that. Because at the same time of him quickening, like I said, he also gave himself a breather because once – once he put that two-and-a-half-length gap on him, then he left those horses behind him kind of scrambling to try to make up that ground in a hurry. Well, now coming down the lane, I, know, I noticed this too, and, and you really have turned into such a polished rider, is that you know you let him know you were on top of him, but you really didn't use the whip much. You, you, you did most of it with just a real encouraging hand ride. Yeah, he. Um, I, I've kind of gotten to learn the horse through riding him and stuff. He... Uh, when he turns for home, the best thing to do is always you got to kind of get after him just a couple times left-handed. And after once you do that, he'll jump leads. And then if you just kind of hand ride him, and when we got to the eighth floor and we seen Mucho Macho Man gaining on him, I just kind of tilted his head out a little, just the way you can see that horse. And once he's seen him, he dug back in. Even if you watch the replay closely, about four jumps before the wire, Mucho Macho Man got to within his neck. But then by the time we crossed the wire, he was already a half a limp back in front of him. Well, I know you, I know you don't have the chance from the seat you're in to listen, but if you get the chance, 
go back to, I believe it's the Daily Racing Forum site, and listen to the replay. I'll tell you what, who is a big Brian Hernandez fan, and that is Richard Migliori, a jockey I have a lot of respect for. Uh, he, he gave you plenty of compliments uh, rehash, rehashing the race. And uh, the one thing he said, and I think just as you implied, he said, you know, Mucho Macho Man's looking awful good coming to Fort Larned. He goes, but I'm telling you what, he says, I think they can, might be able to go around again. He's not going to get past that horse. Yeah, and uh, I think Richard's right about that. He 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 wasn't gonna let Lucho Macho Man get fine. And Richard, the thing with Richard is he's he's a great guy. He uh he came in the room before the race and stuff, and we talked about it and stuff. And he he helped out and just helping kind of game plan the race. And he is a he's a great guy, and he was a great rider when while he rode. He was, but I will tell you if you go back and listen to his post race comments about you. Uh, he was uh, very, very uh, complimentary. All that right. means a lot uh, from those guys. Coming back, as a matter of fact, they, they said that it almost looked like like you and the horse were floating into the winner's circle, as if you guys, this accomplishment had just kind of you know lifted the both of you. And what what was really great, too, was when you were talking to Donna on the way back, Donna Barton Brothers, and uh, talking about um, – the loyalty and, and the teamwork that went into the horse. You weren't taking any of the responsibility for the win. You were lumping it on the breeder and the trainer and everybody back at the barn. Uh, that that was that was just so cool, Brian. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, and I mean they they do they deserve all the credit for everything. I just I just get on them and ride them for a couple minutes around there, and uh, they they they're the ones that got to be at the barn every morning at five and checking on him and looking at him and. Mrs. Whittem, she's the one that bred him, and you know she she did all the work with him. They, I'm I'm just fortunate enough to be alone for the ride. Well, you know, again, you know, you talk about loyalty, you talk about teamwork, and uh, you know, the the thing is, you know, you might have said, well, gee, they could have got a name rider. I, I think what you've shown the country on a national platform is that you are a name rider and you are one of the next up-and-coming stars in the business. I don't know if you feel that, but uh, I've been talking to other people in the industry, and I think you finally got a chance to put the spotlight on yourself. Uh, that's something you've worked for your whole life, isn't it? Yeah, it's something that we get up every morning and work for. I mean, we the reason that we the reason I left home when I was 18 after graduating high school was to to find horses like this, to find good horses, and that's why that's why we get get up every morning. You wanna you wanna search for the Fort Lawrence in the world, but at the same time, I mean, it's a daily job. You just gotta show up every day. Well, now uh, I remember. I believe Donna brought up. She goes, "Wow, for your effort just now, uh, you just won two hundred and seventy thousand dollars for the win." And you quickly said, "I'm not thinking about the money, but I'm thinking about the prestige of this race." Exactly. I mean, that's that's what we do it for. If if we were doing this for the money. We, you'd probably find something else to do because we're we get up every single morning for more of the prestige of winning those kind of races more than the money. I mean, the money's nice, yeah, but it's not. It that race could have been for ten dollars, but it really doesn't make a difference about the money situation. It's it's more about the prestige and the fame of being able to do that in front of all those people. 
Well, it's, uh, you know, it's the Breeders' Cup Classic. I mean, it, it's that and it's the Kentucky Derby. You don't get any higher than these two races. And, exactly. and now you are a, a, a part of racing history, uh, as, as Steve Haskins said. Um, I want to get into just some quick family affairs here. Um, I, I know there's some PR guys and promotional guys and people that run racetracks that listen to Winning Ponies. Somebody's missing the bus. And my track's not running right now, so I can't do it. But I would say... Between you, your, your dad, Brian Sr., and your younger brother, Colby, somebody's got to get a race competition. They've got to get you three guys to race for a day, for a race for an afternoon, have a point system. I mean, they could call it the Racing Family Feud. Would you be up for something like that? Yeah, that would be great, actually, because it, actually, for as long as we've been doing this, all three of us have never ridden in the same race together. Well, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm giving my, my free uh, publicity advice to somebody out there. If you don't grab this and run with it as a promotional item, you're crazy because uh, it, it would just be so so neat to see two generations competing, I'll say with each other, not necessarily against each other, but it would be kind of neat, and I really think that the public would absolutely eat it up. And uh, also, uh, let's see, I need, I need to give a shout-out to, to your beautiful wife, Jamie, who uh, we're so sad that she left River Downs to find you because there was nothing better in the morning than watching your beautiful wife gallop around beautiful River Downs. Well, I'm glad she left and came this way. <laughs> now, and one more question. She is from a legendary family of horsemen in Ohio, the Radosevich family. Um, mm -hmm. Has there ever been any suggestion from one of her, from her dad or one of her uncles, like, hey, you know, I got the favorite in the Rutch Kirchenberg at Beulah on Saturday. You think uh, you could talk Brian into coming and riding one? No, but, you know, I, I've gone up to Thistle a couple times, well, a couple years ago for the Ohio Derby, and when I was up there, Jeff actually put me on a horse to ride the undercard race. And then I've ridden a couple for her dad over at uh at Mountaineer when I was at Mountaineer for the West Virginia Derby and that and it was it was great. Jake and Shelley uh actually came out for the for the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, and, um, I, I saw the pictures up on Facebook. It was great to see yeah. and they're they're just a super, super family. And it must yeah. be kinda nice uh being married to somebody that kinda understands your schedule, what you have to go through, and how tough it is being a jockey. Yeah, she makes it easy because uh, I mean, she she still works in the mornings as well, so we both get up at five o'clock every morning and we head out to the track. And she understands the schedule. She understands that some days I, I'll just come home and be like, "Oh, by the way, I'm out of town tomorrow. Tomorrow night I'll be back in a couple of days." And, and she gets that. She understands that I'm I'm always kind of traveling, and, and she helps out a lot around the house and does everything. Well, they're, they're, they're a solid, solid family, uh, the Radosevich family. You couldn't have married into a better one, and um, I'm sure you guys are having some great times. You're probably still coming off cloud nine. I, I know you had a big party in Churchill for all the people that helped you out earlier this week. Yeah, we did. We got It was, it was great. We uh, we had a party down at Drake's down Shelbyville Road here in Louisville, and a lot of the trainers, Ian and Ronnie Werner and Steve Margolis and all those guys all came out to it. And a bunch of the people from the backside, a bunch of guys that we work with every day, a bunch of friends, and it was it was a lot of fun that to, that people showed up and that we have that kind of support system behind us. Well, that's great. Well, Brian, listen, I, I could I couldn't be happier for you. Uh, thanks so much for being on Winning Ponies. Uh, and what's great news is that Fort Larned is going to be racing against next year, and I hope you guys have a slew of wins together. Oh well, thank you, John. Thanks for having us on.
All right. Well, thanks for being on. That's Brian Hernandez, winner of the Breeders' Cup Classic aboard Fort Learned. A fantastic ride by this young man who's going nowhere but up. And a publication that covered his uh, activities so well is the Blood Horse. And up next with me to talk about the Breeders' Cup and do a little bit of handicapping is the news editor of the Blood Horse, the one, the only, Tom Lamara. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with Touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune in to Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, a, a, a excellent writer, uh, one of my favorite people in the world, and a guy that uh, likes to handicap horses every now and then. He doesn't come down from an ivory tower. He's right there at the dust of the ovals. And his name is Tom Lamara. He's the news editor for the Blood Horse, and I believe that he was stomping around Santa Anita last week. Is that correct, Tom? Yes. Yes, you're right, uh, with a sinus infection, but I survived. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, uh, someone that's been on Winning Ponies from your staff is uh, Steve Haskin, and I've really been enjoying some of the articles uh, uh-huh. that, that he's put out there and, and put up on, on your website. Um, before we get to the, the Breeders' Cup, there's something I, w- I want to address, and it's been a subject on this show in the last couple of weeks. And... Uh, it's the demise of the thoroughbred times. Has, has that had any impact 
on the blood horse? Uh, is your subscription rate up? You know, there's people like me that we, we still like to get the ink on our fingers. We still like to subscribe to a magazine and, and look at the color photos. I, I know I can get most information off the Internet, uh, but there's something about holding the magazine. Are you seeing a, a slight renewed interest? And are you guys thinking about maybe going in a slightly different direction uh, on with some of your Internet activities? Well, the um, we did pick up subscriptions, of course. Um, as far as advertising goes, um, the advertising pool was pretty finite, and the Times had um, <clears throat> had lost a lot of the major advertising over the last couple of years. Anyway, uh, there was some, you know, um, some product advertising that we picked up. But the bottom line is the farms, you know, have kind of pulled back in advertising. Um, you know, if the you're the only venue left, in print, that's got to help right. Well, I think it helps. Um, but, you know, the industry has greatly contracted. And um, I think it's rebounding, uh, but there's not a whole lot of extra money out there at this particular time. So we picked up, uh, we're holding our own as far as the online goes. Um, you know, we've been expanding over the last three, four, five years, and we're going to continue to do that, you know. Uh, a lot more video. We started that years ago. Um, you know, um, we'll just continue to do what we do and try to do it better, basically. Well, uh, you, you, you do do a great job, and like I said, you know, i complimented uh, Steve Haskin, who's really a, a creative writer, and, and he, he brings delight in, in, in one of his articles that, uh, you know, maybe we didn't have a huge reigning horse of the year, you know, in the spotlight here, but there were some absolutely great storylines. Um, I'll start w- with the one we just got off the air with, and, and that's Brian Hernandez. I want to hit you with a couple storylines and, and get your read on it, and not only Brian, but Ian Wilkes, and what a really neat team story this whole thing is with, with, with the grandson of Bayacoa. Yeah. Um, Fort Larned, uh, strangely enough, I went up to Iowa for the, uh, the HBPA convention, and it was the same weekend as the Prairie Meadows Festival of Racing. Well, anyway, Fort Larned won the Cornhusker. And the owner was there, her family was there, Wilkes was there. Uh, Brian was up there too, and um, he, I can remember um, when Ian won the race. I said, "So, like, what's next for this horse?" And he said, "I'd really like to win a Grade One with him." Well, he did win a Grade One with him at Saratoga. Yeah, the Whitney. His first time Brian had ever been there. <laughs> right, but I don't think it ever occurred to him that the Breeders' Cup Classic was going to be one of them. But uh, you know, the horse is talented. He got a great ride. Um, quite frankly, I think Brian won the race for them um, when he jumped out like he did and he grabbed the rail, which everybody knows was good that day, you know, and right. uh, just a sharp ride, sharp ride. The horse was 9-1, to one, which I think was generous. I did use him in my exactas, but I, I didn't use Mucho Macho Man, so I didn't hit the race. But um, <laughs> you know what? More power to them. The horse ran lights out, and it really, really was a great ride. 
You know, and now you, you want to go with another storyline uh, about people that sometimes fly under the radar that I think deserve the recognition, and that would have to be the Bradley family and, and oh, Groupie yeah. Doll. <laughs> yeah, uh, Groupie Doll was one of the few horses that actually ran against a bias on Saturday. And she ran a race. Uh, what amazes me about her is she can run the same race on a synthetic surface, a dirt surface. She's got speed, but if she has to take back, she does. She makes her move. If she needs to be close, she does. Uh, for a horse to run five races like that back to back to back to back to back and win by open lengths is amazing. I think it was maybe uh, one of the two best performances of the two days. And and to come out of a small farm, you know what I mean, in Frankfort, Kentucky, this isn't some kind of chic source or something like that. It, it, it is really good. Now, speaking of something along those lines, how about little Mike? He's like the little engine that could. I mean, I think some people were scratching their head after the Arlington Million going, man, he's by a $3,500 stud. And all of a sudden, he comes back and, and, and wins in the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, that one surprised me. That was one that surprised me. Um, but you know what? He, once again, you know, a good ride. Ramon Dominguez rode him perfectly. And he's, he's a good horse. I didn't think that he'd win at the mile and a half, but then again, you know, when speed horses stretch out and there's nobody running with them, a lot of times they are able to carry their speed, and that's what happened there. That horse probably has a pretty good shot at winning the, um, the championship for Turf Horse of the Year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's no small undertaking. Uh, trained well by Roman. Spanish Steps um, was or is owned by um, Hetty Martin up in Indiana. Uh, he stood in Florida, and I'm not sure where the horse stands now. He may still be he's down still in there. Indiana. But... I called the farm. And oh, okay. The, and All the right. thing yeah. is, he's a full brother to Unbridled Song, so he certainly he has some pedigree yeah. underneath him. Yeah. Um you know, the stallions that 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 produced winners of this year's Breeders' Cup is interesting. You know, Spanish Steps is one. There were a couple other ones that you Bowman's Band. Expected. Bowman's Band is another one. Oh, and Wiseman's Ferry, who is the sire of Wise Dan, by far his best progeny so far. Yeah. So very yeah. interesting. You know, uh, some really some really good horses. Uh, Wise Dan, of course, is one of them that, you know, just really ran lights out on Breeders' Cup Day, so. Uh, it, it, it's neat, you know. It's uh, I, I love watching the little guy. You know, we we went in there. I was talking with Marty McGee on the Winning Ponies last week, and you know, if you looked over the history of the Breeders' Cup at Santa Anita, uh, the Midwest and East Coast horses didn't really fare well. If you looked at it statistically, and it looked like the guys at the home base were really going to have an edge, but that didn't happen. No, um, you know the California horses ran well, I think, for the most part. But when you have horses like Wise Dan and Groupie Doll, who, quite frankly, I think had proven to be superior um, in their respective divisions, uh, of course, Wise Dan is kind of a freak because he can run on turf, dirt, and synthetic. Right. I don't know where he came from, but he's he's one of the nicest horses I've seen in recent years. I've got to say that. So. Oh, absolutely. And I've had the chance to see him up close and physically. I mean, he, uh -huh. he is is a monster. He he's he's got a rear end like a diesel engine. 
And yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, he really does, you know. And uh, you know, it's just you know that's where your motor is on a horse, and he gets it done. Well, I'll tell you what, Tom, I've spent so much time talking with you about the Breeders' Cup. I'm going to have to ask you to really power through our handicapping right, section of the program. Uh, so we'll take a quick break here, and then we're come, going to come back. We're going to take some races from all over the country because, as you know, after the Breeders' Cup, you got to kind of scatter for the for the uh, the graded stakes races. So uh, Tom and I are going to power through some picks for our Winning Ponies listeners right after this break. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Tom Lamar, a news editor of Blood Horse Magazine, based out of Lexington, Kentucky. And like I said earlier, Tom's also not only a great writer, but a very good handicapper, and he can handicap at every level. And uh, we're going to take you to some different places today, starting out with a race that may have a lot of changes, quite frankly, because of what's going on in New York, and that is the Long Island Handicap. And believe me, they are handicapped on Long Island right now. This is supposed to be a mile-and-a-half turf race. So, Tom, I won't hold it against you if any of the horses we pick get scratched. Yeah, well, actually, I think the weather's supposed to improve up there this weekend. It's supposed to warm up here and warm up there. Uh, One-and-one-half miles, grass for fillies and mares, grade three. Um, I'm going to pick Kissable who, you know, has won at the distance. She's raced well on firm turf, good turf, yielding turf. Second time, Lasix for Roger Atfield and John Velasquez. I think she might have the right running style, but I've got to say this is wide open. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and so even if the race does go, and I pray it does uh, on, on, the, on the turf, I'm going to go with some horses with some European uh, expertise because, as you know, Rain or shine, they pretty much run over there. And uh, I'm really looking at this horse, Tannery. Hit it rich, in my opinion, might be the one to beat. I just got to throw out the flower bowl. But it seems to me like this Tannery came over here for a purpose. Runs in back-to-back grade ones, will get Lasix for the first time, and it has had some very good experience on soft turf courses. Mm-hmm. That's my angle, and I'm sticking to it. All right, I did pick her in the QE too, so 
Maybe <laughs> well, I ought to throw her in again. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, now we're getting a little bit closer to home uh, for you, and that is the aptly named Cardinal Handicap. Uh, it's a grade three. We're going a mile and an eighth on the weeds of Churchill Downs. The weather's been absolutely gorgeous in uh, the, the Midwest this week. It might be 68 degrees and sunny, so I'm expecting this one to go on the weeds. Yeah, I think the turf will be firm at Churchill Downs on Saturday, uh, which I think plays into the hands of Busy Caroline, who is three for four at Churchill Downs, drew the rail. Cuts back in distance, a lot of positives. Again, the price may not be that good. Uh, on our handicapping show, I I picked her on top, and I'm using Daisy Divine, and the long shot is Fugitive Angel. All right. Well, also, I, I, I picked Busy Caroline, too. I mean, uh, again, you know, the horses never finish worse than, than, than second on the Churchill Downs turf, uh, and, and, and it's one at this what i really think is strong there is this horse is coming out of a race where it's only beaten about three and a half lengths by zagora who comes back and wins a breeders cup race exactly exactly yeah and i would also her, i think i would also give a heads up to anybody that is uh, going to be in the, the louisville area that a little bit before this race, about 4 o'clock, you can go down there and I think see no less than five Breeders' Cup winners that are going to be uh, paraded in the grandstand and then uh, posing for photos in the paddock. Yep. Yes. I think that's very cool. I mean, uh, I know Fort Larned is going to be one of them. Uh, little Mike. Of course, I had a list, but where did I? what did I do with it? Um, and uh, Groupie Doll. Yeah, yeah, groupie dot. Oh, yeah, uh, they're actually uh, they're they're shipping up Wise Dan from Keeneland mm-hmm. to be a part of the group. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that that is an excellent effort. Whoever decided to put that together uh, was uh, really a forward thinker. So uh, it's going to be a beautiful day. If you're near the Louisville area, or get yourself over there. You'll be able to get a chance to take a look at a lot of horses uh, that are certainly have a really good chance of a winning the Clips Award and b in my opinion, being horse of the year. Let's move on now. Uh, looking for graded stakes wins. We're going all the way up to Canada to Woodbine. It's the grade two autumn stakes, a mile and a 16th at Woodbine. Uh, I know who I like. I want to hear who Tom likes. This race was pretty tough when I handicapped it. I think it's pretty wide open. There's a horse in here called Maritimer, a three-year-old who hasn't raced since March 31st. Mystery boy. Um, ran in the UAE Derby, but his previous Woodbine form last year I thought was pretty good. Uh, Seth Benzel ships him in from Saratoga. Actually, he's still up in Saratoga training up there at the Oklahoma training track. I like his workouts. Uh, Luis Contreras gets back on. May not be worth the price, but again, the morning line is 8-1. to one. I find that hard to believe, but I'm going to go with him. Well, you're, you're taking a big swing. Uh, three-year-old running <laughs> against older horses off a layoff. He is three for four at Woodbine, and his, his only loss was a second-place finish. I'm going to go with, with a horse coming off a layoff, but has had two solid races since, and that's City Wolf. 
the Reed Baker trainee, no stranger to Woodbine, nine starts, four wins, two seconds. This is going to be a great race because you see so many horses that have raced against each other. you got Alpha Better, James Street, and City Wolf. Uh, every one of these horses is only a length or two in front of each other. But, but an old friend of mine by the name of Ed Meyer taught me a long time ago, John, third race off the layoff. That's when you strike. And this horse ran a 102 buyer in the Durham Cup last time out uh, with a strong rally. So I'm going to go with City Wolf up there in Canada, Tom. All right. All right. Well, uh, Mr. Brian Hernandez is in uh, such demand that they are flying him out to Ratama Park uh, to, to ride in not one, but two stakes races out there. Uh, earlier on the card, he picked up a, a mount on the El Jovine, but he's on a 10-to-1 shot, but they probably found out he's coming into town and want to put him up. Uh, the race we're going to handicap is the M2 Technology La Senorita going a mile on the weeds. A lot of new faces in town for this race. I mean, these are people that uh, you might see uh, entered at Keeneland. Yes. Um, Brian Hernandez is riding a horse called Every Way from Mike Stidham. Um, one first out on the grass at Arlington, ran third on the poly track at Woodbine in a in a Group 3 Canada race, but the winner of that race was Spring Venture. She only finished a length and a half behind. Spring Venture, of course, ran in one of the Breeders' Cup races, uh, was pretty well bet, didn't fire, may have had something to do with Lasix or, or not having Lasix, we don't know, but I would say that this horse looks pretty good, four to one morning line. I'm going to go with a horse called Kitten's Dumplings. Ah, yes. Maker. <laughs> and Ken Ramsey, actually... The Ramseys have two horses in that race. One is Maker, one is Wesley Ward. Kittens Dumplings um, broke her maiden first out on grass, ran a good fourth behind Spring Venture and Spring in the Air. Nancy O, they all ran in the Breeders' Cup. The poly track race at Keeneland, uh, her numbers dropped off considerably. I'm thinking maybe back on turf. Uh, Victor LeBron is Stumbled the at other the start there, too, Tom. There. Yeah, so I'm thinking... Maybe back on grass, she's ready to pop. Well, I look at this as, as a very interesting race. I think it's, uh, you know, the uh, the rabbits and the tortoise. As you know, two-year-olds, usually a little bit up in the bit, though. When you look at the running lines, it's some of these horses, uh, you know, like uh, Cattle 5 that's, uh, you know, got a legitimate chance, and uh, uh, Sister Ginger, another out-of-towner. Uh, well, I could, shouldn't say that, but his connections are Steve Asmussen and Jamie Terrio. Um is, is one that looks like it can come off. But I got a feeling that with the blinkers on, every way, Brian Hernandez, uh, he's in he's in this zone. Doesn't matter if he's going to Indiana, Keeneland, <laughs> Santa Anita, mm-hmm. Saratoga, he's winning races. <laughs> but I would say charging late at the end, it's going to be Kittens Dumpling. Of course, Mike Maker brings in Victor LeBron uh, to ride there. I think it's going to be a pretty exciting race and uh, kind of thrilling uh, for the people out there at Rotama to watch. Yeah, um, this race usually has produced some pretty good runners later on. Um, so I would expect, um, you know, a few of these horses, you know, to produce some nice races uh, in the future. All right. Well, listen, Tom, thanks so much uh, for being on Winning Ponies. I love having you on. Thanks. You, you always make yourself available, and uh, you always give us a lot of positive insight. I've got to cut out right here, but uh, I'll be seeing you soon right. in the future, my friend. All right, John. Thanks. 
All right, take care. All right, that's Tom Lamara, the news editor of Blood Horse Magazine. Earlier we talked to Brian Hernandez, an outstanding young man that just won the biggest race of his career. We're bringing it to you right here on Winning Ponies. Remember, when you go out to the racetrack with a loved one, he or she, remember, practice safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.